0: Good afternoon. We are here in the sixth Icar of the of the, Re-yamuna, of the Ramam, Actually, I should say, but we're following you according to the Shuram of the Re-yamuna. Um The sixth ikar, the sixth principle of faith, is the one which speaks of prophecy and the belief that there is such a thing as a person being of a higher caliber, as the Rammam says, they are people who will be found uh, with a, a, a nature and a character of, of the highest quality. Their, their souls are so developed that they are going to be able to receive the imprint of that which is seichel, of that which is intelligent, that which is true—that's the Rambam's formulation of how this this notion of prophecy works: the attachment of the mind of the person to the quote-unquote mind of the divine, the seichel hapoel, to allow such a thing as prophecy. Thank you very much. So um, we know this is the beginning of a series of the ikorim of the principles of faith that the Rambam is going to speak about. This idea of prophecy and communication from the Divine, the prophecy, the uniqueness of the prophecy of Moshe Rabbeinu. And the last time we started this shiur, this essay, with the passage which is found in the Seder Olam, which describes the cessation of prophecy. Because any discussion which we have today about prophecy is, in a certain sense, abstract. Because we don't experience prophecy in our time. Prophecy is no longer part of the our world, part of the communication of HaKadosh Baruch Hu with, uh, with the Jewish people. And at what stage did nevuah end? And what the Seder Olam said and explained was that the end of nevuah came in the time of Alexandra Mokden, of Alexander of Macedon. And from then on, people stopped prophesizing From here on, tilt your ear, bend your ear, to hear the words of the Chachamim, to hear the words of the sages. That statement of the Seder Olam was explained by the Goen of Vilna, to say that this was simultaneous with the killing of the Yetzer HaRav of The Gemara tells us a story about how there at the beginning of the time of Vayusheni, the Anche Knesses Hagdola pleaded... With the Rabbana Shalom, that that drive for idol worship, which had done them in, which had caused the destruction of the first base amigdosh, they preferred to avoid. Uh, I, I'm not interested in its reward, I'm not re- interested in it itself. And uh, the Yetzar Rabbah Vodazorah thus ended. People stopped being driven to serve idols. Simultaneous with that, prophecy ended. Simultaneously with that, prophecy ended, and as uh, is known and demonstrated, this is really simultaneous with the period that starts Malchus Yelvan, which was 34 years after the establishment of Vayisheni. That was when Alexander began. That was when Malachi, the last of the Naviim, died. And um, those two things are tied together with each other. So on the one hand we have the connection to the end of Navua, on the other hand we have the connection to Alexander, and we started talking about it. And I just want to develop it a little bit more today, as it, as it was fleshed out in the Shi. The idea that we have such a thing as a Yeter of Avodah which to us is unfathomable, I mentioned last time how how they were driven by it. The Gemara tells a story that uh, that uh, Rav Ashi was learning. It's a famous Gemara in Sanhedrin. Ravashi was learning, and he got to the Mishnah in Perak Chelek, which says that there are three kings and four yotos four regular people that don't have a Chelek, he ended the learning that day at that Mishnah, and he told the Chachamim, you know, come back tomorrow and we'll start discussing our friends, these people, the three kings and the four yotas. And when he went to sleep that night, so Menashe HaMelech, who is one of those kings who is described as not having a portion of Elam came to him in a dream. And he said, how do you call me your friend? I'm far greater than you are. And, uh, and uh, Ravashi Ravashi asked him, so tell me something. Why did you serve I'm I'm not driven to serve HaVai You tell me you're greater than me. <laughs> and uh, and Menashe said to him that had you been around at that time, you would have picked up the hem of your robes, you know, those the kinds of clothes they wore, and you would have ran, ran towards the Ave de Zara. We don't understand that world from ours. In our world, that's not there. And we talked last week about the Ave de Zara. on some level, the drive for Ave de Zara being the drive for the tangible spiritual encounter. Navua is the tangible spiritual encounter. And what we see here is spirituality becoming an abstraction, <clears throat> something hidden. And that's really that's quote unquote the abstract of this sheer. That's the that's how we put it together, how he puts it together with the Alexander the Great coming on the scene, because that represents the Yavani, the Greeks and the Greek wisdom, where if you don't see it, it's not there. So <clears throat> what I want to share with you today is really some of the additional aspects and the kudos that Rav Moshe tried to bring out in uh, in explaining this. And he explained as follows. Any yater, any drive that a person has, what are they driven for? He says, a person's greatest drive is the drive to feel alive. The yater of ki everyone understands that they have a survival instinct, you know, that is maybe their most p- powerful instinct that they'll always try to, to keep them. A person likes to feel alive. When a person gets a, a certain kind of a pleasure, one or the other, there's a there's a yeter of kium, there's a drive of existence. The greatest desire that exists in, in, in a person is the desire that produces existence. Being is is it? And there's of course this incredible irony that people sometimes will only feel this fill the thrill of being when they're almost not. right the thrill of the danger seeking, you know the risk taking thrill. And it's because wow, I almost lost it, but I got it back. And sometimes, as you know, we only really feel the presence of something. When it's almost taken away from us, or when it has been taken away from us, and so this yeter of kium will express itself in the in the illogical, you know. To as Rav said in his pithy ways, way, if it's not really a risk, so so then you're getting a thrill out of fooling yourself, right? And if it is really a risk, you're going to risk existence because of your desire to feel existence. It's shtusim v'avolim. It's foolishness. But hey. It's a big business, um, you know. So, uh, so, uh, so, but it's all part of this desire, this drive for existence, and the Yetzer of Avodah Zara is built on this as well. And here, he, he here he shares a very, very important perspective, an important insight, which is two completely different perspectives. Within the world, from the world the way we see it now and the world the way we saw it then. A human being exists dependent on something higher. There's nothing that exists without the Rabbanah Most fundamental of our Ikorim, what we talked about at the very beginning of the Ikorah Hamuna is that no human being has any existence that's not willed upon that person from the Rabbi Nishlelem himself. And if you identify the source of your existence and you realize the level, the extent of your dependent on that source of your existence, your desire for existence will drive you completely and fundamentally towards that thing. Now it doesn't necessarily Translate into avodas Hashem. In that world, there was an avodah zara, and that's because remember what we're talking about here is a yeter, a yeter, and a yeter is a drive which is not necessarily a healthy drive. A yeter is it could be a yeter Hora. What's the yeter Hora, yeter tov? What's the yeter Hora of avodah zara as opposed to the yeter tov? <clears throat> so a principle that we learned here together just uh, we learned it on Chanakah a couple of weeks ago was that the the one who worships the stars and the signs of the zodiac is because the those signs those constellations are the divine image of what is supposed to be down here we invoked he invoked the chazal that Kol Esev Ve Milmata, there's no blade of grass down here that doesn't have a mazel in the heavens that hits it and says to it to grow. Meaning that it exists with a con- counterpart in the higher worlds. That counterpart in the higher worlds is creation, or that counterpart in the higher worlds is this, the structure behind the scenes of existence the worshipper of the is the one whose greatest drive is just simply for existence, as we've said. And they serve, they wish to serve that which will help it achieve existence. I want to exist and therefore I serve. And that was, as we learned and explained, that's why the medrash in Parshas Miketz, points out the difference between the Rishoim and the Tzadikim. The Rishoim stand over their God, whereas the Tzadikim, their God, stands over them. Pare was Omeid al hayor. he stood over the river. Yaakov, with the latter, Hashem Hashem Nitzav olav. Hashem was standing over him. The idea being that if I say, you know, for me, for the fulfillment of my existence, This is the source of it. I have a source of it in the k'chavim and the mazolos. And I'm worshipping the k'chavim and the mazolos to the extent that it will give me existence, that it will fulfill my existence, fulfill the image of the fully grown existence that I could be. Then God is a means to my end. And my end is, is to exist. And this will help me to exist. Whereas the posture of the person who's serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not looking for the star, for the constellation, for the force that gives him his existence, but he's looking to give himself over to that. In a certain sense, the one wants to exist for himself and serves in order to exist for himself, and the other one exists in order to be able to serve. They exist in order to be able to serve their God stands over them instead of them standing over, their, standing over their God. The drive for Avodah Zorah is built on the understanding that we are connected to that which is above us, and therefore our only true existence can come from that which is above us. The drive to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu recognizes, yes, we come from that which is above us, And therefore, our lives should not be contained to our world down here, but we should be oriented to serve that which is bigger than us, that which is above us. The bitul, the negation of the Yetzirah HaVayt worked in one way, and that was to say, forget a world which is above you. When we were cognizant of the world which was above us, we served it to serve ourselves. We worshiped the Kechavim HaMamazales, but now, we need to shift. Hashem had to close down that box that we don't even see ourselves in a world which is above us. So for our zechus ha for our ability to exist, we just think about what's down here. And the opposite. The new yitzir, the new <clears throat> drive, is not a drive to pursue Havay to pursue those things above us that we imagine will give us life. Instead, it is the drive for self-sufficiency otherwise what we know as precass oil the relief of any yoke of any burden that could be above that could be upon us that's the shift precas oil removal from ourselves of any sense of responsibility and beholdenness to anything that's the new reality that's the new yeter. And says, said, as as he taught it, what that does is that that boxes the person into just this world. And it's a lowering of a person from being something, someone who's connected, who has its roots in a world above, instead to just a, a person down here. So whether the, is the issue just simply that the person isn't serving Hashem, it's not just that they're not serving Hashem. It's that they have no sense of connection, of attachment to something beyond just the world the way we see it. That expression of the Yavani, as the Ramban said and says, and as he quotes, which is that hmm, the Yavani, who would tell me that if I don't see something, if I can't see it, if I can't understand it, there's no reality. There's no reality to it. The way of learning Torah, the way of chachma, of wisdom, which replaces the word of Navua. the way the Gemara says it, and the way the, the way it says in Sefer Olam, from here on in, Hat oznecha chachamim, tilt your ear and hear the words of the chachamim. And what that's doing is that's suggesting a posture of humility. There are greater truths than those that we ourselves are able to imagine and be able to appreciate. The whole world of the Hoemunah, if you remember our discussions much earlier in these shiurim, we talked about the idea that here we are, we're learning the Ikore Meanwhile, a person is supposed to be limited in exploring alternatives to the Ikhorei There's a prohibition, the Nechem, to explore. Why? Because you can't anticipate perfect fidelity. You're going to get it if you're going to just explore <laughs> openly all the different possibilities. Do you have confidence in your wisdom that you're going to be able to arrive at the correct conclusions? We don't have that. That's why in this week's parsha, parsha Shmois, Meishu Abenu, according to Chazal, was taken to task for listening to Yisro, who said, hey, let our, my grandchild follow the same journey that I went on, to search out and to seek all the different methods of faith and hopefully arrive at the true one. No, you can't do that. You have to plant them in the right place. They have to know, you have to give them the truth as a starting point. As a starting point. Because... You have to incline your ear. You have to listen with humility. There's no one who's experienced Jewish learning who says that it's an experience, I mean, I think authentic Jewish learning, who will say it's a shut-your-brain-off experience. We sit and we learn and we argue and we challenge and we think. But we think within a misgeret, within a framework of trying to figure out the divine word. And the divine word, the notion that there is a divine word, means that there's something beyond that which we see ourselves. And when HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us the privilege to be able to see it for a bit, <coughs> now we spend the rest of our lives, the rest of our history, trying to access, understand, properly, properly place ourselves within that higher world of the divine understanding of what HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us. That's the Piece that the person has to do to humble ourselves before the word of the Torah and to work hard in that framework to be able to discern it, to be able to understand it. When the Yeter of Avedizorah was cut off, when that desire to connect to a higher source, whether in the negative sense of Avedizorah, to draw from it to fulfill yourself, or in the greater sense to connect to it to give yourself over to it, to subordinate yourself to it, to want to dedicate life to that something higher. But the problem was that HaKadosh Baruch Hu put on the ceiling that we don't even see the something higher. That we imagine just a world of the visible, of the logical, a very, very pedestrian <coughs> world, a world that's down here on all, on all force. A person has to see themselves, has to be able to, to you know, to, to reach higher, to see that something, to see that something bigger. The, 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 the way Rav Moshe expressed it was that when the Mishnah says in Pirkei Aves, Meishah Tar misinai, and Yeshua, they gave it to Yeshua, and Yeshua came, came to Nevi'im, and Nevi'im gave it to Anshei Knesset So what happens then? That starts the period post-Nevi'im of the Chachamim. And how's it described in Pirkyavas? Always as generations of Messira Kabbalah, of one generation receiving from the generation before, which means the humility that there's something bigger that's beyond this. Something bigger that's above me, that's beyond me. Instead of the usual pathway of wisdom, which says, I've gone farther than those who came before me. Right? I'm the top of the ladder. Instead, we view ourselves as you know as that continuing down the ladder from the Nevi'im, from the Chachamim who came before us, because the root of wisdom is realizing that there's something that is higher than you. There's something that is beyond you, and connecting to that world that is higher. The Maral of Prague teaches, and I've shared it with you many times, that the language of the Pasuk is Kiha Ha'adam Eitz is the tree of the field of person, The Chazal take it as an affirmative statement that a human being is a tree. What does it mean it's a tree? Says the Maral of Prague, well, a tree has a root and it has branches, but the root and the trunk of the tree is implanted in the ground, and then you see the branches extending up towards the heavens. A human being also has a trunk, and he has branches, arms and legs, but the root is on top. The root is higher, and the branches extend down here. And that idea to understand that a human being is rooted in something higher is, is the world in which there's Aveda Hashem, there's navuah, a word coming from a higher source, and where on the flip side there's even going to be something called Zara. It's when we narrow ourselves in a box and see ourselves just down here that we lose the good and the bad. That will be part of those drives. We need to think out of the box of the world. We need to see ourselves as something which is, uh, which is, which is beyond it. May we be able to? <coughs> wash? Yeah. yeah